Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to Not Real Art, the podcast where we talk to the world's most creative people. I'm your host, faithful, trusty, loyal, tireless host, Sourdough, coming at you from our studio in Los Angeles here at Crew West. Hope you guys are doing great. Hope all is well. Thanks for tuning in. Of course, we do this for you. It's all about you. Without you, well, then I'd just be talking into a microphone, and that's sad. That would just be sad. Well, I hope you're enjoying your summer, and I want to bring to you yet again another auditorial where once a month, the last week of the month, I get on my little soapbox and talk about something that's on my mind. So I've got something I want to talk to you about today that's been on my mind for a little bit. But before I get into that, I want to, of course, encourage you to go to our website, notrealart.com, and check out all the good, healthy stuff we got for you free-range, organic, gluten-free, amazing stuff for you there, uh, celebrating artists and their work and helping them tell their stories. So go to our website and check out all the good, healthy stuff we've got for you. Plus, if you're an artist, we've opened our 2024 artist grant for submission, so please go and submit. It is a free grant and no submissions fees, and you can win $2,000 and thousands more in PR support. So please go and check that out. Okay. Yeah, no VIP guest in the house today. You're stuck with me and my soapbox here as I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind. Did you know that the U.S. government spends $5 per person per year for the arts? That's all the government spends, $5 per person per year for the arts. Did you know that over 50 countries in the world have a department of ministry of culture? Over 50 countries have a specific department or ministry dedicated to culture. The U.S. does not. The U.S. has had less government support for the arts per person than any other developed nation. Think about that. The U.S. has less government support for the arts per person than any other developed nation, and presumably we're the richest, best country in the world. So. Now, how do I know this? Where did I get these facts? Well, I learned these facts from The Art of Making It, a movie that I want to talk about today. A movie that's been out for a while. It's a little bit of a documentary about the art world. Have you seen it? Well, you should. Everybody in the arts should see this movie. And I want to talk about it because I saw it. And it made an impact made an impact, and I want to talk a little bit about the impact that it made for me. So, The Art of Making It. If you want to check it out, go to the website, theartofmakingitfilm.com. Definitely encourage you to do that. And it is a deep dive into the art world. 
and you talk to all the stakeholders, the gallerists, the critics, the artists, and you know museums, uh, educators about the current state of the art world. Uh, a lot of the faces and names in the movie will be, I think, familiar to you. Some of the usual suspects, Michael Govin, Jerry Saltz, Stefan Simkovitz, who else? Well, you know, you've got all kinds of artists, some amazing artists, of course, Philippe Baez, Jenna Gribben, Giselle McDaniel, Chris Watts, Sebastian Uriz, I always get his name wrong. And of course, Andrea Bowers, just to name a few. Helen Molesworth is in there. Let's not forget Valerie Castle Oliver, on and on. So it's kind of a who's who in the cast. They sit down and they talk about this film. The big shout out to the directors and the producers of this movie, Kelsey Edwards, Debbie Wish, Allison Berg, let's see, Susan Norget, Regina Scully, Mara Sandler, on and on. Big long list. George Wells. They did a fabulous job. This movie looks great. This movie looks great. And, you know, it's funny. I enjoyed watching it because, you know, it's sort of like looking in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like looking at themselves, right? And that's what this movie felt like. I felt like I was watching myself because it's always fun to watch a movie about your world, your tribe, and people that you know of and maybe have met. And, you know, people that look like you, sound like you, talk about some of the same things, bitch about some of the same things, complain about some of the same things. And man, was this movie filled with bitching and complaining. <laughs> and by the way, done very, you know, in a very classy, sophisticated charming way. This is a very charming, beautiful movie, no doubt. And like I said, it looks great. By the way, great fashion, of course. Everybody in the art world knows how to dress. They got great style. Great scarves and hats in this movie, no doubt. Great locations, of course. We're in, you know, New York primarily, but, you know, in other locations as well. And we, of course, see some amazing artists and some amazing art in this movie as well. And, you know, listen, let me be clear. If you haven't seen The Art of Making It, you need to see it. Like I said, it should be required watching for anybody that works in the art world. No doubt you're going to enjoy it for sure. And I enjoyed it. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. But it was fantastic in one area. And it was really bad in another area. What am I talking about? Well, as I've already indicated, the movie did a great job of giving people the opportunity to complain about the art world we love so much. It seemed like no matter who they were talking to in the movie, artists, gallerists, critics, educators, everybody was talking about how fucked up the art world is and how broken it is and how unfair it is and how conservative it is and how you know unfair it is. You know, the movie does a great job of identifying all of the problems and inefficiencies and inequities and, you know, problems, dysfunction of the art world. In fact, it seemed like people were wallowing in this reality. And if you are like me and you're in the art world, you know, you're watching this movie going, yep, 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 no, that's true. I get it. And so 
it's great for people in the art world to watch this movie and, you know, check yourself and realize that you're not alone and you're not crazy that yes, no, it is unfair. It is a fucked up place, dysfunctional industry, very mysterious, perhaps even corrupt at times art world. So you're watching this movie and you're saying like, okay, well, I'm not the only one. No, it's real. I'm not crazy. There's lots of problems here because all these amazing humans in the art world, smart, talented, brilliant, fashionable, good-looking people are feeling the same way and complaining about the same problems that I bitch about over here in Los Angeles, what have you. So it's validation, right? This movie is validation. It helps us understand that we're not alone. And yes, the art world is fucked up. So it did a fabulous job of identifying the problems, okay? It did a fantastic job of drilling down from each stakeholder's point of view, from the artist, well, let's back up, from the educator to the artist to the gallerist and the dealer and the critic and the museums and the collectors. I mean, they talked to everybody. And they drill down and you hear about these problems from each of the stakeholders. And everybody's in agreement. It's fucked up. Everybody's in agreement that they love the art world and they love art, but it's also fucked up. And they do a great job of identifying the problem. So if you're not in the art world, you should absolutely watch this movie because it's going to give you a very realistic view as to what is wrong with our world. Okay. You know, when I graduated high school in 1988, a long time ago, and my first job that summer, right out of high school, was at a publishing company that's no longer around. It was purchased by Globe Pequot Press. It was called ICS Books in the suburbs of Chicago. And I'll never forget it. On my first day, I'm 18, and the publisher, my boss, sat me down and welcomed me to the company. And he, you know, wanted to help me understand what was expected of me. And the first thing he said to me, and I'll never forget it, he said to me, Scott, he goes, I'm so glad you're here. We're so glad. I know you're young out of high school. This is an exciting job for you. And so I want to set you up for success. And I need to tell you what I expect of you so that you can be successful. And I said, okay, <laughs> please do, please do tell, because I'm 18 years old, I'm wet behind the ears, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, so please tell me how to be successful. And my boss, the publisher, the late Tom Todd, told me, looks at me in the dead in the eye, says, Scott, I never want you to bring me problems. And then he paused. <laughs> I'm like sitting there going, oh boy, where is this going? I'm 18. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never worked in publishing before. What does he mean? He doesn't want me to bring bring him problems. In my view, the boss, that's where you go. You take your problems to the boss, right? The boss is going to tell you how to sort it out. But then he continued. He said, Scott, I never want you to bring me problems. I want you to bring me solutions. I want you to use your big, smart brain. And if you bump into something, I want you to think about it, work on it, figure it out. And you come to me with the solution. How did you fix that problem? How do you propose to fix that problem? And okay, maybe after multiple tries, if you can't find a solution, maybe you come talk to me about what's going on. However, I really want it to be the last option, right? 
don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. And that is where this movie falls down. That is where this movie fails miserably. It does a fantastic job of bringing the problems, identifying the problems, clarifying the problems. It does a horrible job of offering any possible solutions whatsoever. There's one little, <laughs> at the end, people talk about, well, you know, education isn't necessary anymore. You don't have to pay money to go to art school anymore. I don't know. Is that a solution? I don't know. You know, one guy at the end talked about, you know, they're doing events now and splitting the tickets, 50-50, the $30 tickets with the artists as some sort of big innovation. <laughs> That's going to somehow right the wrong. Horrible, horrible job of identifying any solutions to these problems. There are people that talked about the fact that there's absolutely much need for innovation, much need for change. Sebastian, you know, he talked about how in the art world, it rejects innovation, he said, I think. And, you know, that's true. I've seen that for myself. And everyone was talking about how much opportunity there is for disruption and innovation and how they see disruption coming. But nobody offered any concrete or even any real ideas they did a good job also of showing the pandemic and the impact of the pandemic because the pandemic happened in the middle of making this movie. And, you know, they were talking about how the big galleries moved to online and started selling online. And some of them started showing prices and how revolutionary that was. I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like, they should have been using websites and, and transparency all along. And this is, I guess, supposed to be a way of helping solve the problems and innovate. And that's, of course, you know, pathetic. If that's what we're going to do, if that's all we're going to do. And so that's my main critique with this movie. I mean, it was did a fabulous job of celebrating the world we love and the artists, some of the artists and the art that we love. It did a great job of level setting and helping and being relatable and relevant to those of us who sometimes might think we're crazy that we're in this business. But nope, you know, everybody's feeling the same pain. Everybody's, you know, dealing with the same problems and challenges. And so it was a wonderful movie in terms of, you know, watching very fashionable, presumably smart and successful people talk about something that we all love, you know, art and artists and art world and all the problems that vex us and stress us out. But it did a horrible job of offering any viable, real solutions to the problem or innovations for the problem. And, you know, <laughs> that was my thing. And listen, I got all kinds of ideas and potential solutions and uh, particular innovations. I am not going to reveal them here. <laughs> That's proprietary content that I'm going to keep under my hat because I don't want anybody stealing my ideas because I'm paranoid that way. But, you know, it, it just cracked me up because... People love to bitch and moan. They love to talk about the problems. But so many times people don't roll up their sleeves and accept responsibility for changing the status quo. Oftentimes because people are benefiting from the status quo. And if you're benefiting from the status quo, you really hate change and you really hate disruption and innovation. But for those of us who despise the status quo, for those of us who are kind of wired to innovate and wired to get creative, and by the way, 
artists. I know artists, you know, stereotypically don't enjoy business per se, but at their core, artists are innovators, right? They're magicians. They invent something that didn't exist out of thin air. And so I believe great innovation and disruption can come from so many of the artists in the art world and so many people in the art world. We're creative people who can solve problems for smart, creative people. But those of us who are benefiting from the status quo are absolutely going to be reluctant to change anything, right? And some of the older folks in the art world, uh, Jerry Saltz, for example, love Jerry, by the way, big fan of Jerry. You know, he has this little diatribe. Uh, imagine that, Jerry, with the diatribe. But anyway, he, <laughs> at the end of the movie, there's this little bit. He's talking to an artist, Jerry Gagosian, the meme artist who has the very popular IG blog. And he's saying, you know, you, know, you young people are going to change this. You're going to recreate the art world. You're going to make it new. You're going to make it better. And can't wait to see what you do. And so, you know, I guess he's leaving it up to the younger generation to figure it out. And I suspect... They will, and it will all hopefully get better. But there is a lot of inertia, a lot of legacy, a lot of gravity to fight because there's a lot of money at stake. And, uh, of course, the status quo, you know, the old saying, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Okay, that's what you're fighting. We're fighting the culture of the art world, and it's very resistant and allergic to change. But we have to change. We have to innovate. We have to innovate new business models. We have to innovate new media strategies. We have to innovate our accessibility to newbies. How do we get uh, new, curious, uh, yet maybe intimidated people into the art market? You know, how do we, you know, give people a pathway to enter and to learn and to trade up? You know, how do we help people nurture their confidence and empower them to have faith in their own ability to look at a painting or look at a piece of art or look at some aesthetics and decide whether or not they like them or not. You know, how do we help people understand that art is a horrible investment, a horrible, horrible economic investment, and you should not buy art uh, because it's an economic investment. You should buy art because you love it and you love looking at that image and you want to see it every day because it makes you happy and gives you joy or makes you think or makes you feel. And so, You know, at the end of the day, yes, the art world is filled with problems. This movie, The Art of Making It, does a great job of identifying and talking about those problems from each of the stakeholders' view, from the educator to the artist to the dealer and collector and, you know, all the way to the critic and to the museum. And so it was wonderful to see familiar faces. It was wonderful to hear from very entertaining, interesting, and intelligent people that look fabulous and look great. And by the way, I said the movie looks great. The music is great. The motion graphics are great. The editing is great. The scenery is great. It's a wonderfully done film, and you should absolutely see it. I highly recommend it. But if the mission of the film was to only identify the problems, then mission accomplished. However, if the film, if the objective of the film was to help inspire change, I think they really missed the mark on that. Because they should have left us feeling more hopeful. They should have left us inspired with some really interesting ideas for innovating and disrupting what is a pretty inefficient, unfair, inequitable, mysterious, and sometimes corrupt art market. So those are my thoughts. You know, take them or leave them. Hey, it's my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I'm entitled to my opinion. (laughs) And just because I feel this way, you know. It's my observation. I'm entitled to my opinions, my observations, but I think I'm pretty right about this. Uh, They could have uh, done a much better job 
identifying, talking to some other experts about how maybe the business model of our world can can be disrupted and can be in a, you know can innovate, and it really falls down on that particular issue. So again, you know, let me be clear: you got to see this movie, "The Art of Making It," "The Art of Making It." film.com the art of making it film.com of course the links will be in the show notes but shout out to the team and to the cast uh, they did a fabulous job a wonderful wonderful project so thanks for making this movie it needed to be made it definitely did a great job of level setting in terms of the current environment the status quo but it could have done a hell of a lot better job offering potential solutions to these problems as my former boss tom todd insisted So thanks, Tom, for teaching me how we need to think about these things. May you rest in peace and a big shout out to all the folks involved in this great project, The Art of Making It. All for now, guys. We'll tune in soon. Tune in next week for another episode of the Not Real Art Podcast. Sourdough, over and out. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe. So you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi Deloro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.